When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Andy, and once you get into this thing, you're going to hear a lot of discussion about women's basketball. I realize we're a college football podcast, but we're a college sports podcast as well. And Ari lost some money on the South Carolina-Iowa semifinal game. So we talked quite a bit about that at the beginning of the show, but we recorded the show before Iowa played LSU in the national title game. And it's pretty funny, but Ari basically predicted how LSU was going to win the national title because he was incredibly frustrated, as someone who had money on South Carolina, that the Gamecocks could not make outside shots, that Iowa essentially dared them to shoot from the outside, and it didn't happen. Well, guess what? LSU had no problem. It was three-pointers in the first half. It was mid-range jumpers in the second half. Jasmine Carson coming off the bench with 22 points. She was, I mean, she couldn't miss in the first half. It was pretty incredible. Even with some of LSU's stars in foul trouble, uh, Caitlin Clark for Iowa, the best player in the women's game. She had 30 points, but not most, not the most efficient 30 points. And obviously that technical foul for for firing the ball into the in the photographers. That probably didn't help very much either. That was her fourth personal. Changed the fourth quarter quite a bit, but LSU had already built a, a good lead. And it's funny, you know, Ari probably should have looked at how he lost that money on the South Carolina-Iowa game and maybe put a little down on that not happening again because LSU was like, sure, we'll shoot threes. And then after Iowa started defending the threes, we're like, sure, we'll shoot mid-range jumpers. And LSU wins the national title. So congratulations to the LSU Tigers, 2023 national champions. And get ready for a sort of preview of the men's national title game through the lens of college football. We have a great question. This is a Dear and Dear Ari show where we're going to talk about is LSU the UConn of college football or is UConn the LSU of college basketball? We'll find out. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. It's another Dear Andy, Dear Ari edition. The national title game in basketball is set. And we got a very topical question that references the national title game in basketball and major college football, which I'm just impressed at, at our listeners and readers that they can, they can figure out how to do this. It's like, you know, they're better at the Google algorithm than we are. Uh, I don't know if you were around the other night, but I live tweeted through a betting loss that I was upset about. And I thought we were going to do an emergency pod. Cause I hit the final four game in the women's <laughs> tournament and I got uh, even money on South Carolina to win that game. Ooh. And I watched that game. Did you watch that by chance? I did. I did. I'm glad we're talking about this. So as we're recording this, Iowa and LSU have not played yet in the in the, yes. women's, the women's national title game. You're going to 
if, if you're listening to this as a podcast, the game will be over. If, if it's wild and wacky, I'll, I'll pop on and do a, an alternate introduction to the show. But I are watching Caitlin Clark against South Carolina was, was shocking because like you saw Caitlin Clark do this to other teams, but you thought, okay, against the best players in the country, it's not going to look like an NBA player playing as high school players, but that's what it looked like. She was so much better than everyone else on the court. I say that that was the most bizarre sporting event that I've ever watched. And I mean that it it was like, I don't know if you agree with that whole idea, but like I have never seen a team defend the way that Iowa defended in a final four game and like win. (laughs) I mean, I've never seen a team defend like that at all. Like they had 10 feet in the paint on every possession. And like I had South Carolina for a pretty large sum live because I thought there was no way they could lose this way. And yes, Caitlin Clark is basically Michael Jordan. But how on earth do they assemble a team that went 36 and 0 in college basketball and can't shoot and doesn't even attempt to shoot when they're left? And and on top of it, because they're so good in the paint normally that it doesn't matter. Andy, did you see how far off they were playing these guys? I could have made shots with that much room. And I'm not even joking. Like, I mean, (laughs) And, like, the thing about it, too, is that they still creamed them on the offensive glass. So, yeah. like, even though my Miami bet exploded last night in the worst possible way because Which, they never even led in the game, so I couldn't yeah. hedge, and I just lost, um, I can't stop thinking about that Final Four game. I, I just – I can't. I've never seen – I've never seen that before in the game of basketball. And I'm no basketball expert, but if you leave a point guard with seven feet of room and you're creaming them on the glass – to not even attempt to shoot it is just baffling. To well, me. it's it's identifying a hole in Don Staley's recruiting, and here's here's my guess: she will fill that hole. She will fix that. Like that that says to me, you need a sharpshooter on the outside, and all you end that. So, or anybody who can shoot a jump shot at all. Yeah, because they weren't even trying. Like I. I I've taken losses. Me, me, I've meanwhile, you have to defend Caitlin Clark to the freaking logo. And she did. And they did. didn't defend her. They had no help on the backside of the defense. It was incredible. Well, well it, when they did help on her, she just dished it to somebody. She. I don't recall shot, anybody else on Iowa scoring. Her shot. No, because no, she had a bunch of assists. Her shot making and court vision were so far ahead of everybody else on, on that court. It was insane. It she really is. was like watching an NBA player play a high school team. It's like. I don't know how I can get annoyed with the South Carolina game without making it seem like I don't like I res- like I don't respect Caitlin Clark. Of course I do. She's incredible. She's the best female basketball player I've ever well, she, seen play. You, you, Maybe one of the best. Like I've never seen a team dominate. They'd never had to defend anybody like that. Well, I there do. aren't. How many people are like that? There's, I mean, I'd, maybe Serena Ionescu, but we didn't get to see her have this kind of tournament because the year that she would have had it, it, it got canceled because of COVID. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, people think I'm bitter because I lost the bet and maybe I am a little bit, but like I, I, it's been two days since that game was played and I can't stop thinking about it. Like if I, if I could have that bet again today, if they could play them and I knew they were going to defend them the same way, I would triple my bet. It's, it's funny because I I was having this conversation with my son this morning at breakfast because he said he was telling, I'm trying to learn lacrosse as he plays it. And he said they have a call because he's, he's a defender. He said they have a call that basically lets them sag off of one player if they think that player is not very skilled or that they can't 
they're, they're not a very accurate shooter because you want that person to try to shoot. You want to force that person to try to shoot because you can, you're probably going to get the ball back. And I was like, oh, that's very similar to basketball. And that's exactly what Iowa did to South Carolina in that game. Yeah. But the thing about it was, is that even though they were crowding the paint, they couldn't grab a board. So even if you're not a very good shooting team, you would think that with all that room, you would take some shots, uh, assuming that, you know, Boston was going to get the rebound because they got every rebound there was. So, like, it was just bizarre. And you know what? It's good. We've, we've talked yeah. for four minutes about women's basketball on yeah. the podcast. Well, Kat, Catherine in our chat says, here's one for you, too. The Iowa Center has bounced the basketball once this tournament. Mm -hmm. Because she when she scores, she's getting fed for wide-open layups. That That's a, like the Caitlin Clark thing. Like, when she gets doubled, it's nuts because there's somebody wide open and she finds him. It feels like every time. You know, it's, what's nuts is that somebody paid attention enough to know that. Like the, the advanced stats in sports these days. Like they're not keeping track of anybody else's dribble count, right? It's just the, they, she well, has the, bas so the basketball advanced stats are crazy. Like what you can get for the NBA is wild. That it, it is the, that synergy sports, that, and you can kind of watch the game through that. It's so much more advanced than anything football has. So um, it, it it's really amazing yeah. what you can what you can find out. Yeah. So Caitlin Clark also has scored more points in the NCAA tournament than Iowa did all year in football. Yes, I know. I I put the joke up that she needs to score 162 in the national title game to to hit 325 for the tournament. Yeah, so. they're 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 favored by four. So when we're done here, I'm gonna go pop, I'm gonna go see. Uh, you know, I think I like LSU. Uh, in well, this game, and I think let's that's, not spend I mean, too much crazy. time on that because that game will be over by the time most of these people are. Listening but I'm just saying, thing. like, I yeah, okay, all right. Let's get to the football questions, and just thanks well, for letting me vent because it hurt me. Yeah, to, to no, we'll start. Myself. We'll start with a basketball question, bonus trivia question. If you when you see our our guy Desenzo's Twitter handle right now, so Desenzo on Twitter sent us this on Saturday night. Have you done a comparison of UConn basketball and LSU football, and why all of their coaches? win titles and all right Ari. Uh, so if you if you're watching watching on youtube you see desenzo's screen name on twitter desenzo but and there's a phone number 281-330-8004 nobody in the youtube chat tell ari what this is what phone number is that i have no clue mike jones who mike jones well, sing it <laughs> i'm not there's a there's a, a song where he gives out his phone number, so it'd be two eight one three three zero eight zero zero four. Like that's yeah. that's the song. Well, I'm zero for one on trivia today. Um, <laughs> we are going to have trivia at the end of the show, by the way. We're adding trivia at the at the back end of every show. Same category. Ari and I try to stump each other, but we'll start with Desenzo's question because this is a great question because it is really interesting. These are the only two programs I can think of in sports that are like this because LSU, Nick Saban, Les Miles, Coach O, all won national titles. If UConn wins on Monday night, Dan Hurley will join Kevin Ollie and Jim Calhoun as the last three UConn coaches and they've all won national titles. That's insane. Now, it it's a different, it's definitely a different scenario because... Nick Saban identified some inefficiencies at LSU and realized he could very quickly turn that around. Jim Calhoun built UConn 
not necessarily that quickly. They they got they got good. You know, it took them probably four or five years. I believe it was year year four that they won his first Big East tournament at UConn, but. It took him 13 years to win his first national title, and that was a very complete team, that 99 team that, that beat Duke mm-hmm. in the national title game. But Nick Saban very quickly realized, oh, if LSU just keeps their best players home, you beef up academic support so the guys don't flunk out of school, you can have a national title contender here almost every year. Yeah, well, when I look at... um trying to identify similarities between two programs that are very far away geographically and yeah. play two, two different sports. I find it to be very difficult when I look at LSU and their reason for sustained success. It's very simple to me. It's a, you have a program in a university that's hundred percent bought into being great, right? Yep. Financially support wise, every way that you could imagine a, a team, but also they are one of five or six programs in college football that have the unique recruiting advantage of being the only power five program in a very deep state of talent. Mm-hmm. And those players in the state of Louisiana grow up dreaming of playing at LSU the same way they do in some of the other states with this were, were similar advantages yeah, like that. It's similar to Ohio and Ohio state. It's, it's yes. very similar to that. It, and, but Ella, Louisiana is deeper. I think that they have more, you know, it might not be more total blue chippers over a 10 year period, but they have more, five stars and top end like really really good players and some have gone to alabama Mm -hmm. um you know a a few times but for the most part lsu gets those guys um so to me it's like how could that not equate to i mean that's why whenever we rank jobs regardless of who the coach is andy lsu is always a top three or four program well and that because the infrastructure there and we say that, and we say that certain jobs feel coach dependent and certain jobs don't. And LSU definitely does not feel coach dependent because, but which is weird because before that, and we got a, in, in the chat, uh, somebody goes, well, how, how bad was Curly Hallman to, go, to have a 380 winning percentage there? Uh, Elias Gray had, how bad was Curly Hallman? I mean, they, they couldn't figure it out. Curly Hallman, Jerry DiNardo, like they, they could not figure out the formula until Saban showed up and then, it's been repeated since then. Yeah. Um, so for UConn basketball, I'm not an expert on that, but I do know that it's one of the borderline blue blood programs in right. college basketball. They got, right? They've got one coach. You've got one coach on, uh, in each who won a national title and then got fired very shortly after. Coach O and Kevin Ollie. The Kevin Ollie UConn national title is the weird one where – you know, they, they beat the Florida team that had all those seniors in the final four, and then they beat Kentucky in the national title game, which which <laughs> I'm wondering if that was Calipari's last best chance to to win a national title there. But they uh this was I mean this was the team that had like they had Ryan Boatwright, Shabazz Napier, uh Niels Gaffey, and uh Tyler Olander. Like it, these are not exactly household names. Shabazz Napier was probably the biggest name of, of, of that group. And then, but you also had the other one, the, the Calhoun's last title, where Kemba Walker basically led them, like got hot and led them to the national title. And and so, like, there's not one player that you say like dragged Kevin Ollie's team to a national title. But if if you want to have the Joe Burrow conversation, Kemba Walker and Joe Burrow, that kind of matches up. Although I would argue that Joe Burrow's supporting cast was also incredible. Kimball Walker's was was not really well. The Joe Burrow year is the strange one, right? Because yeah, uh, 
they had a few transfers in there, but also Justin Jefferson was, wasn't he rated like in the two thousands? Yes. He, he, um, it, Bruce Feldman loves to tell the story because everybody gets it mixed up. Everybody thinks his only offer was from Northwestern. It was from Northwestern state, which is an FCS school in Louisiana. Yeah. He's in, he's from Louisiana though. So it's like, they get credit for identifying the talent from in state. And now the guy's one of the best receivers in the NFL. Um, well, and, and a relative of guys who had played for them very recently. So he'd been on their campus a bunch and everybody yeah. knew him, but LSU's roster, the year they won the championship was pretty transfer heavy, wasn't it? And that doesn't necessarily. No. Joe, I mean, Burrow was the big transfer, but yeah, not really. Yeah, so then um yeah, yeah, so like they they had guys that were from uh Louisiana who helped helped them win a national championship. I don't know that they would have been able to do it um without so Co, but you by know, the way, it listen, was strange. Listen to some of the in-state guys in Nick Saban's 2001 recruiting class. This is the one that really turned everything around at LSU. So Michael Clayton, who wound up being their best receiver, from Baton Rouge. Rudy Niswanger from Monroe, Louisiana. Great offensive lineman on that team. Another guy from Baton Rouge, Marcus Spears, who we see now on ESPN all the time, was an incredible college football player and played, you know, played in the pros for a long time. And you ready for this one? Huh. Also from Monroe, another offensive lineman. Andrew Wentworth. Like, that's when you got that in your state. And you can just go pick it up. That's how you turn a program around. Yeah. And also, too, like Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase are both from Louisiana. Yeah. So, you know, and now Joe uh, spells his name with an E-A-U-X. So, you know, he's a Louisiana guy now, too. But exactly. Yeah. He, well, he's, he's, he's Ohio and, and Louisiana at the same time. I, I don't know how you pull it off, but he is beloved in both places. So, yeah. Well, you know, also, he's just a very nice dude. Uh, and. Uh, is a very likable person, you know, whether you've met him or not, which I think really helps. And the fact that sure. he leaned into it that entire year, like everything that he, like he, yeah, he had the attitude and the swag before they won it. Yes. Which you don't always see all the time. I think I, I'm assuming that all the LSU players saw this pretty early on. And, and in that first season, he was a starter when he didn't have the, the huge numbers. But where, where I first realized, oh, this guy's built a little bit different was in the bowl game at the end of that first season he started, the, the Fiesta Bowl against UCF. Remember, he, I think he throws a pick. He got, it just he got gets hit. demolished yeah. on a blindside hit. And he's up and he's jawing and you're like, oh, okay. Now that's this guy. This is why this, his teammates love him. Yeah, yeah. And that, I mean, people, I think, go back and think that that like, hit was the beginning of the renaissance. Of like, ever since that, that hit happened, it like knocked him into the dimension of becoming what he became you know and it's it like happening already but that, no no i know but it's like yeah. that moment is like when joe burrow was born at lsu yeah um and then we it's, had it's the entire where, it's where we realized what he was i think yeah. i think I, I think the people inside the program already knew but yeah when, when you go oh he is that dude yeah absolutely because yeah. he got he got destroyed on that hit and you're like is he gonna get up oh no he's popping right up oh, oh he's 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 john yeah well they they also too like when you like look at these comparisons between these two programs, Andy, which one do you think is harder to do? 
Because, like, I go back and forth on this. Like, I think winning a national championship in college football is incredibly hard. Yeah. But if you're built to do it. You can't. It, I think what Hurley has done. So, but college basketball is so much harder, right? To win well, a national I, championship in college basketball is harder, right? I think Ollie kind of rode off of Calhoun. And Ollie is kind of the less miles of this bunch. The difference is Ollie got fired sort of like Coach O got fired instead of continuing to work. But, you know, Saban set up that Les Miles title. Calhoun set up that Kevin Ollie title. What Danny Hurley is doing is probably the, the hardest of, of all of this because it was a mess when he got there. And he turned it around very quickly. At How a much- time when it's not that easy. Like, the, it used to be if you had a, a good Big East program, you just grab all the best players in the Northeast. Like they, they were, they were coming to UConn or Syracuse or, or Georgetown or St. John's. Like they wanted to play at all those places. Now they want to go to schools with giant budgets and tons of money. And and the NIL is, is probably better at these other places, but Danny Hurley has put together a squad because they don't have a lot of weak links. How do you uh, consider the state of LSU's program when Brian Kelly took over. Great talent, not as complete of a roster as we've been used to seeing there. Because as you saw, they had to go grab a bunch of transfers for the secondary, which mm-hmm. LSU never had holes in the secondary. So the the situation of the fire, and I think it was the firing Coach O, if you keep Coach O, the roster probably stays you know, a little more consistent. But with the firing happening the way it did, you had holes in the roster that, that he had to fill. But you still had a lot of top-end talent. You know, Mason Smith is on that roster. Uh, the two offensive tackles were, were going to be on that roster. So uh, uh, Emory Jones and, and Campbell. So they still had that sort of top-end talent, which most programs don't. Like Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, they got it all over the place. Most programs don't have any of it. LSU's always got some of it, and sometimes it's all over the place. Yeah. I think that's a good categorization, but I feel like LSU is the easier job of the two without, again, being a UConn basketball expert. Agreed, because there are very few places in college football. Because, like, even if you go to Alabama, if Auburn has a good coach when you get there, it's no slam dunk recruiting anyone. Yeah, like you had to fight for everybody, and at LSU, if you are reasonably competent, you will get the best players in Louisiana because they want to play for LSU. And then you can go into Houston and get some players, and then all of a sudden you're doing pretty well. You can you can go spot recruit in other places, and and fill there's out the no roster. shortage of talent in Houston, and that's what a few hours away. Right, it's it's not far. It's it's one interstate. It's I ten. And you, you drive right past the last Popeye's buffet in America. I think that's still open in Lafayette. We'll have to, we'll have to find out. But- yeah. Also too, like Catherine uh, was, is, is listening to this right now. And I think she'd be quick to point out that when Brian Kelly uh, got the job at LSU, I had concerns at the beginning of his ability to recruit Louisiana. But if you go back and you look at their 2023 classes, first full cycle there, um, I believe they signed 10 players out of Louisiana. Um and that is a pretty good start. And obviously he made some crucial hires. They had some transfers come in. Um, but, you know, the, the thing that is kind of difficult is 
uh, two out of the top three players in the state of Louisiana went to Texas last year. So it's kind of a mixed bag of, you know, I mean, Arch Manning, I guess it's kind of like, it doesn't really matter where he's from because miles had a period there toward the end where they were losing some guys to other States and, and, Early Coach O, they hadn't quite locked it back down yet either. Like that's how Devontae Smith gets out of Louisiana and goes and goes to Alabama. Yeah. So LSU, I think, got like six or seven players out of the top 14 in the state of Louisiana. But the thing that I would be a little bit concerned with is the fact that they only got two out of the top uh eight. Uh one went to Alabama, one went to USC, Tennessee, and Notre Dame. So like they got 10 guys out of there, but mm-hmm. the top, top, top players. Um, right went elsewhere and hey, listen the quarterback position i understand like eli holstein and arch manning might just be one-offs because right lsu lsu was matter. feeling pretty good about what they had yeah and arch manning it doesn't matter where he's from like it like geography in the state right. i don't think really paid played right. much of a, a deal for him Did, didn't uh, matter didn't matter for anybody in that family <laughs> yeah but two out of the 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 five top 100 players in the state two of which were quarterbacks i think you can forgive them on that I had concerns about Brian Kelly's ability because he doesn't have a reputation as a uh, maniacal a recruiter. Yeah. yeah, but I do think that, um, you know, I'll be watching very closely, and I think that they passed the test in year one. Yep. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Arch Manning because he factors in to our next question, which stemmed from a discussion that you and Mitch had on Stars Matter. And... So it, it got one of one of your listeners slash readers riled up. So here we go. Dear Ari, I'm a huge fan of your various podcasts with Andy and Mitch, but sometimes your analysis is maddening and heavily influenced by recency and confirmation bias as it relates to an analysis that predominantly favors teams that have been good for the last five or so years and are assumed to always be the best and the best place for highly ranked recruits to go because the best players should only choose the best teams. This was most pronoun- pronounced in your comments about Dylan Rayola class of 2024 star QB recruit for those who don't aren't maniacally following recruiting and how it might be a mistake to go to Nebraska instead of somewhere like Georgia or USC, because the other schools have better coaching, more success, and would give them a better shot at the pros. But if that is true, how do you explain Texas with Arch Manning and Quinn Ewers? Texas has only had, I think four quarterbacks drafted since 1970 and only one Vince young in the first round. And that was almost 18 years ago. Did Manning and Ewers make a big mistake by going to Texas over Georgia or staying at Ohio State? Is Rayola's family potentially going to do the same? Or is the interplay between recruiting rankings and player development a much more complex picture when assessing what college might be best for a recruit? This is a great question. Yeah, yeah, absolutely a great question. First of all, I want to respond because I don't think I said it would be a mistake if he went to Nebraska. Um, and this is from a discussion that I had with Mitch Light on Stars Matter, I believe. And, and let, let's point um, out that we're, we're that Dylan Rayola is the nephew of the great Nebraska center Dominic Rayola. So that that is yeah, yeah. and his uncle a, is on the staff there still. Yeah. So there, the reason why Nebraska is alive is because of his family connection. Oh no, no, he's Dominic. Um, he's Dominic's son, right? Yeah, his father played there, and his uncle's on the current okay, staff. He's, right, he's Dominic. So I'm sorry. 
His yeah. uncle's on the staff. Dominic is his dad who played there and played in the pros for a long time. Um, and the only way that Nebraska would be in this picture would be those connections. So, like, for me, Matt Rule going all in on this on this five-star kid from Phoenix because of those connections and trying his best to – I mean, could you imagine the gravity of what that would mean for Nebraska starting off its new coaching tenure? Like, if that were to happen. And, like, honestly speaking, I'm rooting for it because that's what – that would make it fun, right? But I got into a discussion with Mitch Light uh, about this, and he pushed back on the idea that, like, USC or Georgia have better coaches or better quarterback coaches, right? Well, USC I does. They have the best one. I don't know how, like me saying that if I were a five-star prospect, I would go to the place that has the best track record for producing quarterback talent, not just in the league, but you know, I'd want to well, win look, a Heisman and, and a be, university, a university or a football program, like a football building in a football stadium. That's brick and mortar. It's the people. So you put Lincoln Riley having done what he's done at McNeese State. That's still the best place for a quarterback to go. Because you get to co- you get to be coached by Lincoln Riley, <laughs> because his his track record recently with quarterbacks says you're going to New York, and you're probably getting picked in the first round. So it's well. Here's the thing: I took exception to about the question, and again, I appreciate. This is, uh, it. Oh, by the way, so Ar- Arvin wrote the the question. I want to make sure yeah. we gave Arvin G and. Just a really well thought out question. It was fantastic. You know, and I really always appreciate these questions. And, you know, I'm also open to the idea of being wrong. But the thing that I don't think really pays much of a factor here is I don't care how many quarterbacks Texas has had drafted since 1970. Like that has no bearing on this. What the bearing is, is who is coaching the quarterbacks now? And do they believe in that coach to get it done? Uh, because again, brick and mortar versus personnel and, and coaching personnel. Um, and I personally don't think I would have chosen to go to Texas if I were a five-star quarterback. So like, I'm not making the decisions. Well, I just said, if I but, were a five-star you're quarterback, going to Texas, I'm, you're going to Sark. I'm not and sure that I would be convinced enough with options to play for Saban, to play for smart, to play for Lincoln Riley and others, Ryan Day included, but you weren't, that I would like, pick to choose to go play for, for Sark. Smart, you're playing for Bobo. Like that's yeah. that's the thing you got to understand. But like, I also think too that like the infrastructure in these programs, the dieting, the nutrition, the resources, everything that goes into them being the best also plays a factor. Like, can you just blindly say that Georgia's strength and conditioning program is better than Nebraska's? I think you can, and I don't know if that's offensive or not, but it is right. I was but, actually. But he, here, here's the thing. Like, if you put Lincoln Riley at Nebraska, I would say he should go to Nebraska because that probably takes the most precedent, right? Like, yes, but I'll, and yeah, like, so I understand that. Like, but who is at Nebraska now is all that matters. And right. like, without knowing what Matt Rule and his offensive coordinator's track record is, when's the last well, time Mar- Nebraska Marcus had Sat- a co- Marcus Satterfield's the offensive coordinator? We watched South Carolina last year, that's where he was, and he made, and- he made, uh, Spencer Rattler Spencer took a Rattler while, looked, but he got there. He got there a little bit there at the end, right? Like, but the notion that choosing Nebraska over those other schools would be a risk or would be a further climb to the first round of the NFL draft, I think it's just a factual statement. I don't think it's a debate. And maybe that's what drives people crazy with me because, like, I, I kind of deal in absolute sometimes. Yeah. But I mean, look if what you, they just did with Stetson Bennett. I well, know it's a new thing. offensive you, coordinator, but like, this, what are we yeah, doing here? If you have the skill set 
and you are just constantly in the in the national title mix, you're going you're to be in get the draft there. mix. And, yeah. and not not like Stet, Stetson Bennett's a different one because his skill set the NFL doesn't immediately glom onto. But like a Justin Fields, if, if Justin Fields is playing somewhere where they they might make a bowl game every once in a while, but he's the same guy, he's still a top ten pick. Is he? Uh, I think that we are seeing how important traits are in this year's draft. Okay, so, I was thinking about this yeah. with, with this question as well. You know, it's interesting. There's not really, if we look at the NFL and, and who's good in the NFL, there's not a lot of consistency. There's not like one coach who's who's had a bunch of really good quarterbacks come through and they're all playing. Like it's, and a lot of it is because- Well, it's because it's so random anyway. Right, and some whole, quarterbacks have very long careers. Like Aaron Rodgers, now Aaron Rodgers- coach is still coaching jeff tedford's at fresno state now but that's been so long so but you know what blows my mind andy about the nfl jake hayner to to do the same thing you know what blows my mind is there are 32 starting quarterback jobs in the nfl right yep of those 32 would we say that maybe eight or nine of them are truly elite players of that position and then the middle part are just middle tier guys and the bottom half are journeymen that are just like about where their teams are just trying to replace them somehow. Like if you think about the number of five-star prospects and the number of really good quarterbacks that have come through the college ranks, the inability for the NFL to not have at least 32 studs, like bona fide like studs at that position means – uh, that it's really, really hard to be good at the quarterback position, yeah. and it's I, super I think it, hard I think it to be a leader. How it, it speaks to how good the defensive players in the NFL are that you can't like you you just can't find thirty two even capable quarterbacks. Yeah, it's like if Justin Fields flames out because we were talking about him on the show last week, Andy. Yeah, yeah. Like if a person with that man's skill set can't play in the league. Right. Then you have what, to be. What does anybody you have? have? To, yeah, like what? So, like to me too. And I don't know if this is the wrong way to look at it, Andy. You tell me if it is. But if I were a five-star quarterback, of course I'd want to go to a place that I felt like could develop me for the league. Mm-hmm. But I think the first selling point would be to become a college football star and to win a national championship because I think one comes before the other. Yeah. So. Like, even if you think you could go to Nebraska and eventually be a top 15 pick, and trust me, if Dylan Rayola has the skill set that, you know, is reported, um, the size and the strength and the comparisons that people are making him homes, he could go to Texas Tech and be a first-round pick, um, which is what I think Mitch's point was. But mm-hmm. if I had that skill set, I'd want to go win a Heisman. I'd want to win a national championship in college. And I don't think that people really realize, and, and it might not be, um, the same finances as a first round draft picks contract. But if you go win a Heisman at a college, you're going to be fine for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, you, if you don't have to go be uh Tom Brady to be a, to use that skill set. So I would take, I would take the shortest path to becoming a legend and winning a national championship and winning a Heisman. And the shortest distance to that are the, are the programs that already use it. And he said short sighted for the last five years, the reason why we are, have recency bias is because what's recently happening is who the coaches are at those places well, at this current. And time. also, you know who else has recency bias? Recruits, because they haven't been alive very long. So what happened in the last five years is really so, the only so, thing they care about. 
And like everything I was saying about Nebraska is true because if, if Georgia, I mean, if Nebraska was Georgia right now and is back-to-back national champions, right? Mm-hmm. And he had all those family ties. He would have been committed to Georgia like a year ago. Like, I think that what's taking so long is him working through family ties, personal connection, and that risk of going well, to it, a place that doesn't... Hasn't Lincoln Riley jumped on board, too? Yeah, he went to he went to USC. He's been to yeah. Georgia multiple times. Um, if he wanted to do that, it would have already been done, and he already committed to Ohio State before decommitting. Right. So his thought process is to be developed. So if he chooses Nebraska, I think it's an undebatable fact that he is giving up a little bit something in the desire to be developed category mm-hmm. to go follow in his family's footsteps and continue that lineage doesn't mean he won't be a first round pick one day but i think that if he goes to nebraska his battle to being the first overall pick in the draft is a further path than if he goes to alabama lsu or georgia or ohio state which yeah. this man knows which is why he's taking so long to make his decision yeah it's it is going to be a fascinating recruitment because that that's tough, especially with Nebraska, like the, the sentimental ties to a place like that are really strong. And to say no to that, I imagine is, is very hard. So I, I'm very interested to see how that shakes out. Now let's, let's get to our last questions from Daniel. And this, this is a fun one. Here we go. Dear Andy, two years ago, I wrote you a question about coaches coaching other sports. Last year, I gave you a scenario about schools being required to hire alums. I'm back with this off-season's coaching scenario. Which fictional coaches, Bud Kilmer, Eric Taylor, et cetera, are perfect fits, fits for which school? I could see Bud Kilmer coaching at Miami. Coach Taylor is definitely winning hearts at, at UTSA or UTEP. That's from Daniel in Valdosta, Georgia. That is a great question. Now, I disagree on Bud Kilmer at Miami. Bud Kilmer would, like, especially, like, when Miami was really good, the the – Elite era Canes in the 80s and 90s would have eaten Bud Kilmer alive. You you have to have a little more give to you. You cannot be that much of a hard ass. Bud Kilmer would have been a perfect Ohio State coach in the 70s. Like Bud Kilmer and Woody Hayes would have would have gotten along famously. Bill K- Bud Kilmer was the dude with the needle, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Varsity Blues. Yeah. So this is this is John Voigt and Varsity Blues. Now, remember. Bud Kilmer's not the only one who coaches the West Canyon Coyotes in varsity blues. There is a the, yes, the small matter one. of a halftime mutiny. And so Lance Harbor, the injured quarterback, takes over and basically invents the spread op- offense, which you know is a really important moment in football history. And so Lance Harbor right now, I think, would be like one of those, those young – like Lance Harbor would be a Shane Beamer type coach right now. He'd be I, yeah. where would he be? He he'd be at TCU. He'd be Sonny Dykes. That's that's what he yes. Be. Uh what about Tony Diamato from uh oh any given Sunday? Any given Sunday. Is that just a pros pro coach there? Uh, you know, I could I, picture him at Alabama. Well, no, I can see him like after he flames out in the pros, because obviously a guy who burns that hot isn't gonna isn't gonna last forever. He shows up at like oh, where would we put him? I could see him showing up at like Coastal Carolina or <laughs> yeah, Georgia well, Southern. I don't know. And he just was, like, yeah. let's go. <laughs> He's the kind of guy who would crack a beer in the locker room. I uh, I wish that we could do 
uh, coaches that weren't just football and assign them. Oh, to we football. don't have to do. We don't have to do football. Like, okay, what about Brown. Bobby Finstock? The mm. the do you know who that is? The coach from uh, Teen Wolf. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> great, great manager of rosters. UCLA. <laughs> that's perfect so well i mean the the greatest coach in in movie history is lou brown the manager from major league who was selling tires got a guy on the other line about a pair of a set of white walls walls. (laughs) let me call you back um i mean his his coaching style is just perfect great catch don't ever bleep and do it again what about here's what i think of your contract what's that Chubbs Peterson, the, the golf coach oh, for Happy yeah. Gilmore. Like, who? What quarterback <laughs> coach would he be? Uh, <laughs> you know, that would have been Gardner Minshew's coach in college at Washington yes. State. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, yes. I can see Mike Leach hiring Chubbs Peterson to to just to work with QBs. What about Coach Klein from Waterboy? <laughs> I see. He's a little too dependent on that playbook. He's, I mean, he's got some mental issues. But, like, Yeah, but he also could hire a really good coach. Or, you know, he's a hell of a recruiter. I mean, an eye he, for talent. He's also the Fonz. Yeah. So. <laughs> how about, how about, about what's, what's the other coach? The, the other coach is, is Snowman from, from Snow, Smokey and the Bandit. Oh, yeah. So we, <laughs> we got to find a place for him, too. He, now, he could coach at Georgia or Alabama right now. That would be perfect. Like, cause, cause doesn't he, doesn't he feel like Kirby smart already? He does. Yeah, he does. Re- Red um, blue. That that's the character's name is Jerry Reed. The, the also sang the theme song of smoking the bandit. He's what about, bound and down, loaded up and trucking. What about patches of Hulahan? <laughs> you can dodge a wrench. You can dodge a ball. When we get when we get the Hank Azaria version or the Rip Torn version, that's the question. Uh, yeah, uh, whichever version you think is funnier, I think. Um, what Dodge about Ball the... is a game of exclusion, humiliation, and degradation. Yeah, I'm trying to think. What about George Knox from Angels in the Outfield? <laughs> well, was he a good coach? I, I, I'm trying to remember that. Um, what, what kind of? I don't remember if they ended movie. up winning when the Angels disappeared. They did, right? I think. It's been a long time since I've seen that. Um, I'm That's Danny think, like, Glover, what, what right? College, yeah, which kind of pro- program just believes in themselves all the time and, like, accomplishes things? Like, I think, like, Northwestern would be a really good place for I feel for like him. that's a basketball team. It's got to be some kind of basketball team that just believes. Yeah. Hot ice. Um, what about what about, what about oh, Gordon Bombay mm-hmm. from Matthew Yeah, C. Gordon Bombay. The, the coach of the Mighty Ducks. Had to coach him because he got a DUI. Could you imagine him getting into a uh, confrontation with uh, the athletic director? Quack, quack, oh quack, 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 quack. Oregon. I mean, what? Yes. <laughs> yes. <it> not Oregon? <laughs> Rob Mullins would just get worn out by Gordon Bombay. <laughs> just going into the daily basis. office. Quack, 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 Mr. Ducksworth. Um, who else we fit? What about uh, uh, Coach Carter, Samuel L. Jackson? Oh, yeah. Delilah, I mean, he Delilah, Delilah. Yeah, no, he he, uh, he was a hard ass though. We're not using like we're not using any of the real coaches. So these are these are all fictional. We're not using fictionalized versions of real coaches here. So, uh, but uh, yeah, hmm. I'm still trying to put Lou Brown in a foot in a college football universe somewhere. Like I, I think Lou Brown, 
Lou Brown would be like the perfect Illinois head coach. Like he's just hysterical. Like he, he he's funny. He's running a very competent offense and defense. They're winning seven or eight games a year. Like that's that's Lou Brown, the college football coach. Well, who's that? Every who's time dead? we win, we peel a section. Who's that on the roster? He's dead. Well, then scratch him off. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! What what league do you play in, California? Before, I think that. Uh, what about? Um, oh, Matthew. Oh, wait, uh, Taz nine nine seven in the chat. Ted Lasso would get destroyed in the SEC. Okay, so Ted Lasso won an FCS national title at Wichita State. So, oh, Ted, Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso is a football pretty, coach. Ted Lasso is pretty perfect for the the era of NIL. Like yeah. I can see Ted. Like you put Ted Lasso at Oregon. Or you put Ted Lasso. Ted, put Ted Lasso at Tennessee. Ted Lasso would be a cult figure at Tennessee. Like they love Josh Heupel, but I think the coach that Tennessee fans love the most is their baseball coach Tony Vitello, because he basically encourages all the players to to take a heel turn and and does his own heel turns. Now Ted Lasso completely different attitude does not encourage that sort of thing from his players, but has a, a like very strong ethos. Like, you know, exactly what his MO is. I think Tennessee fans would love Ted Lasso. What about Gary Gaines from Permian? <laughs> That's a real person. <laughs> <laughs> he coached Permian in real life. How about they Billy lost. Bob Thornton then? <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton. But which character is Slingblade character? I, I think his yeah. character in Intolerable Cruelty would make the best coach. Or Fargo that, season one. That would be a pretty scary yeah. person to play for. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, the Intolerable Cruelty one's a lot lot funnier. So, What about Rick Moranis as Danny O'Shea in Little Giants? I, I think Danny O'Shea is the one who would, you know, the, the win against the Cowboys would, would get him the job, and then he would just melt down. No, I think he'd be great for Iowa State. I think unless he could invent a ray that shrinks the opponents. I mean, you got to think though that he, uh, you know, he figured out a way to beat a team that had way more talent than them. Isn't that Iowa State? That is Iowa State in a nutshell. That's that, and then that Coach is... Herman Boone. Herman Boone, real person, just like Gary Gaines. I know, but they're still they're still uh, high school coaches. We can't place them at. We could. I mean, Herman Boone would probably. Yeah, he. He'd work anywhere. Although, listen, you gotta you gotta get Donald Faison in the starting lineup faster than that. Yeah, it's true. I get don't Ryan care what Gosling's kind of politics you're dealing with. Get Ryan Gosling's ass sit down <laughs> because he's getting toasted. He's getting like, toasted out there. You go to D one or you're in the NFL. Like, can you imagine? You Paul let a corner is a pretty get... good coach. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Matthew, see Morris Buttermaker. I, I, Morris Buttermaker might actually be a good college football coach right now because he just he let Tanner and and Kelly Leak and and Amanda just run that team. I mean, he's just sitting there drinking a beer. Yeah, that was fun. I like it. All right, so we now have to get to our own trivia. Speaking of movies, oh, our, big news for you, bud. Oh, okay. I bought tickets to go see a movie in a movie theater for next Thursday. John Wick four, no, I missed the first nine of them, so I'm I'm just gonna, I, it passed me by. We're going to see Air with a we're double date. We're gonna go see the there you go the, the Sunny Affleck movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And that's uh, there's no aliens in it. It's gonna be awesome. I can't wait to watch a drama. Well, Sun, it's gonna be fun. Sunny is 
Sonny is a fun, fun dude. Uh, and I just, the idea of him, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Well, Matt Damon's playing him, right? And Ben Affleck's playing Phil Knight. I think that's correct. Yes. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, Affleck is, is Affleck Sonny. Affleck is, is, yes. No. Affleck is Phil Knight. Oh, okay. And, and Matt Damon is Sonny Vaccaro. That's right. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I, I think that's going to be a great movie. I'm, I'm very excited. But we're going to the theater for the first time in two years, so I'm excited. Good for you. Are you going to one of those that, that serves booze? Yes. Good. All right. Are we that's, breathing? That's yeah. the way to do it. We... And then we might <laughs> get our feet rubbed after. <laughs> you should get your, your feet nice rubbed during. Night. <laughs> that, that, there's your, there's your million-dollar idea right there. What uh, rubbing movies. Like, yeah, that's funny. Like, that, back in the early days of YouTube, there was a comedian who, who did – fake commercials for com combo businesses it, it started out with jones big ass truck rental and storage but the best one was jones good ass barbecue and foot massage so <laughs> well last everybody time I went and got a foot massage later. we we had a private room and it was just me and my wife and the masseuse was an older gentleman um and he was massaging her and every time he like he would like crack you know he's like bending her and cracking her yeah. and, like stretching her out he would go good Good. And I just said in the middle of the massage, what are you doing to my wife over there, pal? Is he, is and everybody he, was laughing. Yeah, I just like, I was like Dracula's a uh, Dracula's henchman Renfield or something. Good. Good. And I fell asleep and was snoring because I snore when I'm laying on my back. And uh, Britt found that to be uh, quite the disturbance and smacked me in the middle of it. But it does, to me, it is the it most. Sounds relaxing. like a wonderful experience, Ari. Yeah, no, two people uh, getting their feet massaged together. That, that, that's happiness right there. Okay, I'm excited to hear your trivia question. Let's do All it. All right, so I, I picked a year that I think may be the, the beginning of the end of movies for you. Because this year had a lot of sequels among the highest grossing movies, and it was kind of early on in that. We, we We've talked about how it used to be there were a lot of original movies and then then it just became sequel, 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 sequel. So here's an original movie from this year. The answer to this question is an original movie from this was year. Was it hard to find an original movie? Because I went to look at the theater and every single thing was a, was a, was a sequel or, a, or well, number it, six or number five. I just, I, I've got, I'm going to make you do a little deduction here because one of those, I don't think, like you're just not, you're not going to know it off the top of your head, I don't think. Okay. Well, a little deduction will allow you to get it. So, it's, so it, instead of a, a single Jeopardy or double Jeopardy question, it's more like a final Jeopardy question. Like, you may not know it off the top of your head, but you should be able to deduce it. So here we go. Okay, let's hear it. Of the 10 highest grossing movies in 1999, which one had the lowest budget? Oh, are you going to give me the movies? Nope. Well, I, how can I? I don't know what came out in 1999. All right. Well, the Titanic I, I, come out in 1999. Oh, I, I, no, that was 97. 90, 97. So I will give you some hints. This is not a sequel. It is an original. It has perhaps the highest budget to profit or profit to budget ratio of any movie ever made. Okay. Is it a comedy? It, wrote, it is not a comedy. It is a, it is a horror movie. It grossed, I want to say, it ultimately grossed like 200 something million dollars worldwide. And the budget was like 50 grand. 
And this was like a major movie that was shown in theaters? Yes. It was in every theater. It was the story of that summer. It was huge. Well, there's one movie that I saw when I was 13 years old that was like the story of the summer. And I don't know if this was 1999. I might be way off. But the one movie that the horror movie that carried the way for my childhood Mm -hmm. was The Sixth Sense. The Sixth Sense was the second highest grossing movie in 1999. But that was not it. Yeah, I mean, I would figure that the the budget for the Sixth Senses would make way more than. Oh, oh, yeah. oh Bruce, fifty thousand dollar budget. It has to yeah. be uh, Blair Witch Project. That's right? it. You got yeah, it. Yeah, you got it. Because that, that's nothing. That's uh, they used to use oh, the by camcorder, the way, turn, right? Turn your comments off when you're when you're doing this one. Oh, I didn't see I that. No, I, okay, yeah, comments, I, but... I didn't. But it's the only movie that could have possibly had a fifty thousand dollar budget. Yep. Yep. Exactly right. And it's so I picked this one because it was it was sequel like. So here's 1999's top 10 grossing movies. Number okay. one, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. So like they spent more on Ewan McGregor's robes than they, they spent they on did the entire on, Blair Witch Project. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. The Sixth Sense was number two, which was a good original movie. M. Night Shyamalan, Bruce Willis. Toy Story 2, sequel and animated. Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, sequel. The Matrix, very original movie. Spawned a bunch of sequels, but... This was this was the the original, the good one. Uh, Tarzan animated, Big Daddy, Adam Sandler movie, The Mummy, ancient IP that you didn't have to pay for, Runaway Bride, Blair Witch Project. But you can yeah, see just, the sequel creep beginning. If you look at 1999, The Mummy, Fight Club, The Matrix, that Star Wars movie, American Pie, American Beauty, Eyes Wide Shut, Green Mile. Six cents office that, space never been kissed all came out that same year. That summer might have been the most fun I've had in, in movie theaters. Cruel intentions came out that year. Big Daddy came out that year. Like honestly, anybody who doesn't see the point of that we're trying to make with movies, just go look at these lists. So okay, here's here's what I saw that summer in the theater. I, I was interning at the Atlanta Journal Constitution. I saw all these movies. I remember, this might have been it might have been three weeks in a row that I saw these three movies on Friday night. American Pie. Yes. Austin Powers 2. South Park Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Like that <laughs> yeah. is that is an incredible run of comedies right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, wow. American Pie was like happening right as my friends and I were all going through puberty. I feel like I learned more about the birds and the bees from American from Pie Shannon, than I Shannon did Elizabeth from my parents. And Jason yeah. Biggs did for me. Yeah. Because I remember watching it, it was like so scandalous when we watched it for the first time. Oh yeah. Um, okay, so my mine is kind of movie related, but I just want to know because you like these movies and I don't understand why. So I went and added it oh, up. Superhero movie. One. Okay. How many movies has Batman been in? Or we lost Ari. What the heck? How many movies has Batman? What? Batman who? Are we including Justice League movies? Ari's back. All right. Hold I don't on. know. My window just closed. That is very strange. It, it doesn't want me to answer this question. Did you hear the question? No. I heard how many movies has Batman? And then you just disappeared. Appeared in. How many movies has Batman appeared in? Okay. So these are theatrical releases. Every single movie that Batman, it's either been about Batman or Batman has been in. I went and added it up. Mm, that's a good question. Because like. I'm trying to think, is Batman in the Harley Quinn movie at all or either of the Harley Quinn movies? Did you not watch uh, them? 
I did, but I can't remember. That's bad. Because if, if he's in there, it's like a brief cameo. But, well, so you've got the the Tim Burton, Michael Keaton Batman, and then you go to Val Kilmer, and then you go to George Clooney. That was four. You've got the three Christian Bale ones, so that's seven. You've got the most recent one, The Batman, so that's eight. You've got Justice League, Batman versus Superman, so that's ten. I there was an like the Adam West Batman had a movie. I don't know if it appeared in theaters. I know they had a feature length movie that had like Cesar Romero as the Joker, Eartha Kid as Catwoman, maybe Julie Newmar as Catwoman. But I'll add that one to the list. Does that make okay. it eleven? Um, You're doing much better than I thought you would. Yeah. All right. So we're up to eleven. He's not in the Joker, or he's not in Joker. But is he in Birds of Prey or Har or the first Harley Quinn movie or uh, Suicide Squad? He's not in Suicide Squad. He's not in the the second Suicide Squad Suicide Squad movie. Mm. But I'm going to throw some some randos in there because I, I, there's probably some I'm missing. I don't know if one of the animated Batman's made it into the theater. I'm going to say 15. The answer is 13. It's 13. Oh, I was there. Dang this, it. This, this list. Uh, there are some inconsistencies with this list because Joker was on there. And I don't remember if Batman was like on the TV in the Joker movie. I, I need but to. He, yeah. he got listed again. He got listed okay. in it. Um, okay. But I will read off the ones that he was unequivocally in. Okay. Uh, number one would be Batman, the movie, 1966. Yep. Okay. So that's Adam. Batman yep. again, 1989. Okay. Batman Returns, 92. Yep. Batman Forever, 95. Batman and Robin, 97. Batman Begins, which makes no sense because it began 50 years earlier. It's the origin uh, story. It's a great movie. It's I, That's my favorite Batman movie. Batman Begins is my favorite. That's the first Christian Bale one. The Dark Knight, number seven. Dark Knight Rises, number eight. Batman vs. Superman, which is a ridiculous concept. Uh, number 10 is Suicide Squad. Yeah, that's Number, a, the, the, the the commenters were saying Suicide Squad is the one I'm missing. Uh, 11 was Justice League. 12 is the Lego Batman movie. Oh, uh, Lego, which is awesome. <laughs> I bet like it when is. When Liv gets old enough, she will love Lego Batman. It's such uh, a good movie. I'm going to I'm gonna make sure that she doesn't watch Matthew any of these C, movies. Matthew C, Missing Mask of the Phantasm on your list. Sorry. That's, the, that, that's an animated one, but it's awesome. And if you've never watched Batman, the animated series, which is out in the 90s, Mark Hamill is the Joker. The best. The and then best. there's the Batman movie that's coming out. Um, well, but the the, here's the whole list out. from Batman. And well, no, there's a few ones coming out. Batgirl's coming out. The Flash is coming out. The right. Batman Bar 2 is coming out. And the Brave right. and the Boldest. It's five more that are coming. So Batman, Batman and Robin, Batman, Batman, Batman Returns, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. I don't know if that's a TV show or that's, not. It's Bat animated. It's a movie. Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, Catwoman, Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises, ba Batman vs. Superman, Suicide Squad, The Lego Batman Movie, Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League, The Batman, DC of the League of the Super Pets. I don't know what that is. <laughs> so it might actually be closer to 20 if you count some of these. And then The Flash yeah. is coming. 
Batgirl's coming. I don't Batman remember much Part about the coming. Halle Berry Catwoman. I don't think he's in that one either. He may be mentioned tangentially, yeah. but I don't think so. I think, I think the answer is 13. All right. Which, so I, I was close. I'll take it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I guess he's my not logic. My logic was solid. I'll take it. This yeah. is good. So, all right, commenters, let's hear it. Where are we going with this next one? What for our next episode? What category are we hitting for trivia? That was a good question for you. I like that. I like that. This this worked out very well, and you got mine, which I was I was hopeful you would. But well, it's just because the budget gave it away. I, I don't really know. I just remember the snot coming down the person's nose as they were running through. That movie didn't really scare me. It just made me sick. It scared the hell out of me. We were trying to explain it when, when I came up with the question. I was I ran it by my wife, and and my kids started asking about the movie, and we we're trying to explain it to them and why it was scary. Like I don't think it would scare them at all. You know what scared the hell out of me and always had and kind of does still? The ring. Like horror movies, I think, are uh, house repairs. No, uh, the <laughs> the real life stuff that happens scares me. Like, I remember I was like 13 years old and I was watching the movie Helter Skelter. Have you seen that movie? Uh, is that about the Charles Manson family? Yes. And okay. they were showing a scene in the courtroom about like, you know, they show the murders or whatever, but in the courtroom, mm. like, you know how he was... He's nuts. Like when you look yeah, at oh me. Yeah. 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 And apparently, and I, I think this actually happened. He like looked in at the judge and then looked at the clock and then the clock stopped. I remember when that happened, like my entire body went numb and like, I like ran out of my room cause I was afraid of the movie and I tripped and hit my head on the wall. Oh my like, God. Stuff like that scares me. Like being, uh, what's the word? The jumpy word being, uh, jump scared, yeah. jump scared is more annoying to me than it is anything because it's just loud mm -hmm. uh, loud noises and stuff but like truly evil people that have done real evil things really scares me that uh you know like the, the ring sense. and those types of movies and stuff don't have no impact on me whatsoever all right so dominic wants a music category so let's do music we, we, we gotta we got some shows we need to catch up on on some spring practices this week we're gonna dive deep into into some teams and see what's going on at various places and we'll 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 bring our guests in on the trivia too, because that's a that's a fun way to end the show. So yeah, guys, it's gonna be a fun week. We got a lot going on. There's there's spring practices wrapping up, spring games happening. So we might have a little more actual football information coming at us, which I think that's gonna be gonna be a lot to chew on. And then the transfer portal opens, and then it's Katie bar the door. We'll talk to you later.